You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Joshua Jordan, who serves as the lead pastor at LifeGate Church. Find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com. I love New Member Sunday. There are many Sundays in which we get to just celebrate wonderful things like baptisms. I love Sundays when we take communion, but I love also New Member Sundays. Brent and Samantha, thank you for your commitment to the local church. Thanks for what the new membership process means and even you going through it and then us doing what we did today just says that this is Christ's bride. This is not just a place we attend. This is the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. So we want to take it seriously. So thank you guys for taking it seriously. Well, if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to make your way to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 8. Our sermon text this morning is going to be verses 4 through 15. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. We're continuing on in our series, From the Manger to the Throne. We're making our way through the gospel according to Luke. Chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. In a moment, I want to read the text with you. But I first want to begin by telling you something that happened in 1998. A book was released with this title, Who Moved My Cheese? It's an amazing subtitle, An Amazing Way to Deal with Change in Your Work and in your life. It was written by Spencer Johnson. Now, maybe you've heard of this book. Maybe you've read this book. I I don't know if the laughter was because you thought that's the funniest title I've ever heard. Maybe you're aware of the book. I would guess that probably for many, you've never heard of this book. Here's what you need to know. It's, It's a little book. It only consists of 95 pages. Believe it or not, it, it would become, after its release in 1998, it would become a New York Times best-selling book. According to Wikipedia, you know, they don't ever get anything wrong. Uh, according to Wikipedia, as of 2018, Who Moved My Cheese has sold over 30 million copies and has been translated into 37 languages. Now, what made this little book was such a strange title so wildly successful? I mean, I would not go into a bookstore and see a book by that title and think, I need to read that. So what compelled 30 million people to read this book, even though it has such a strange, strange title? Well, let's see if you can understand why people were compelled to read this book when I read to you the excerpt from the back cover. Here's what it reads. Written for all ages, this story takes less than an hour to read, but its unique insights can last for a lifetime. Who Moved My Cheese is a simple parable that reveals profound truths. It's an amusing and enlightening story of four characters who live in a maze and who look for cheese to nourish them and make them happy. Cheese is a metaphor for what you want to have in life. And the maze is where you look for what you want. 
the organization you work in, or the family, or the community you live in. Then it says, this profound book from best-selling author Dr. Spencer Johnson will show you how to anticipate change, adapt to change quickly, enjoy change, and be ready to change quickly again and again. So now that you've heard the excerpt from the back cover, can you see why this book would appeal to so many people? First of all, the topic it addresses is one in which everyone, no matter what season of life you're in, we're all interested in. We, we all struggle with change, do we not? And this book was written to help us know how to change. But the real brilliance of the book was its format, not just its content. See, as you may have heard in the excerpt, it was written in the form of a parable. A parable of a, it, it, which is an allegorical story. And in this story, it involves four characters in a maze who all wanted cheese. Now, friends, I don't bring up this book in order to tell you to go out and, and buy it. I think I might have read it a long time ago. I don't remember. If you don't read it, your life is still going to be just fine, okay? It, I'm not bringing up this book to tell you to read it. I mentioned this book. Because it illustrates the power of a parable. Especially when the parable reveals profound truth as this book claims to do. You see, in the sermon today, we're going to listen in as Jesus shares a parable with a large crowd who came out to hear him teach. This parable, however, doesn't take up 95 pages Jesus is going to share this parable in 84 words. In 84 words, Jesus is going to share this life-changing parable. And this, this parable addresses something far more critical than, than the topic of how to deal with change. This parable helpfully illustrates exactly what causes some people to grow spiritually and what causes other people to stop growing altogether in their faith? Listen, the implications of the parable that we are about to read is profound. The truth we are going to discover over the next few minutes, it's meant to impact us individually. And it's meant to impact us as a church family. So I want to break down this text this morning into three sections. If you're taking notes, here's the outline. Verses 4 through 8, instruction in the form of a parable. Verses 9 through 10, an explanation of the use of parables. And verse, uh, verses 11 through 15, the interpretation of the parable. Now let's begin with instruction in the form of a parable, verses 4 through 8. And I want to invite you to follow along now as I read these words. This is the parable that Jesus shared in church. This is God's holy, inspired, and authoritative word. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. 
and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. According to Luke, and here in verse 4, a large crowd continued to press in on Jesus as he ministered to people through the message he was proclaiming. And Jesus, we're told, began instructing the crowds on how they ought to respond to the revelation they're receiving. So if these large crowds are coming out to hear him, Jesus sees this large crowd and says, this is a good opportunity for me to instruct them, not give them something new, but to instruct them how should they respond to the revelation they are Receiving and, and that theme, how to respond to the revelation of Christ, is the majority of, of the rest of chapter 8. And what we discover here in this verse is that Jesus instructed the crowd in the form of a parable. Now, up to this point, Jesus has used illustrations to get across his message, but none of them so far have been called a parable. Here for the first time in the passage I just read, we encounter a parable from Jesus. Now, what is a parable? When Jesus shares a parable, what, what does that mean? Well, a parable involves several things. A parable is concise. So a parable is a concise, earthly illustration that's meant to communicate spiritual realities. What a parable is doing is, how, how do you communicate the unseen? How do you communicate spiritual realities? Well, you use earthly examples. How do you communicate the unseen? By pointing to something that's seen and saying, it's, it's like this. It's not exactly like this, but it's like this. And you give an illustration, an earthly illustration, that helps communicate a spiritual reality. And in this particular parable... Jesus used a very common activity in an agrarian culture in which he lived, which is a sower sowing seed. This would have been something everybody would have known and seen and been familiar with. You didn't have to live out in the country to know what this meant. Everybody would have understood and had seen and had been a part of sowing seed. I think we could actually call this parable the parable of the seed and the soils. I think it's unfortunate that often in our Bibles it's called the parable of the sower. It's more about the seed and the soils. And in this particular parable, we're told the sower sows some seed. He's got this big bag of seed. He's ripped open the top. He's grabbing the seed. And as he walks, he's throwing it. He's flinging it as far as he can. And we're told some falls down at his feet and it never gets into the ground. And birds come along and say, thank you for feeding us. And they eat it. And it never makes it into the ground. And therefore, it never grows. See, that's what happens to some of the seed. 
And some of the seed, however, we're told, falls into the soil. So unlike this seed that just falls onto the path, there's a second group of, of soil here. And it's a soil in which all of a sudden the seed goes in and it begins to grow, but not for long. Why? Because unbeknownst to the one who's sowing, that seed looked like it just fell on normal soil. But under that soil, there is a lot of rock mixed in. And therefore, though this seed can grow for a little while, it doesn't get enough moisture. And over time, the little plant that can grow for a few minutes, for a few days, begins to wither and die. And yet there's some seed that we're told that falls on soil where thorns also grow. And even though the plant begins to flourish and to grow, we're told it eventually gets choked out by the thorns that are growing with it. And finally, there's some seed that falls on the right soil. Good, fertile soil. And it not only grows over time, it produces a plentiful harvest. So that's the parable and 84 words that Jesus shared that day. Now, what's the point of this parable? Why, why did he share this parable? Well, sometimes we can make a parable way too complicated. And actually, the, the parable is simpler than we may first think. Here's the point that Jesus just made with that parable. Seed that is planted in the ground is meant to produce a harvest. You don't go out and spend all of these hours throwing out seed without hopes that it's going to do something. It's going, if you throw out the seed to produce wheat, you, you are expecting that at some point it's going to produce wheat. So that you can eat and feed your family. See, you, you plant seeds in order for them to grow into a harvest of some kind. Therefore, growth is measured by the fruit it produces. That's the point that the, of the parable. Jesus is saying to all of those who were listening that day, why, why do you all go out and sow seed? You sow it for one reason. You, you have an end goal. You throw the seed so it'll go into the ground so that you can eat. Now remember what we said. A parable is an earthly illustration meaning to communicate spiritual realities or spiritual truth. So what spiritual truth was Jesus seeking to communicate to the crowds through this Parable, well, we don't have to guess because Jesus tells us at the end of verse 8, Luke records what, what you could kind of see as the punchline. Jesus often does this. He tells a parable and then he says something that says, okay, that's the point of the parable. And listen to what Luke tells us. After he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Which means the way in which we will grow and bear spiritual fruit in our life is wholly dependent on how well we 
here. That's the point of the parable. The spiritual point Jesus was getting across to the crowds that day was how the way in which we grow and will bear fruit in our life is wholly dependent on how well we hear. And the kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about has to do with internalizing what we have heard. See, when, when Jesus says, let him who has ears, let him hear, I think you could translate it like this. To hear well, we must take heed to what we hear. That's what Jesus means when he says, he who has ears, let him hear. It means that if you want to hear well, you must take heed to what you hear. Take heed. Don't just hear with your ears. Take it in. Like a seed goes into the ground. It's only good if it, if it lays on the ground, it does no good. It's got to go into the soil. And Jesus was saying to the crowds that day, if you want to hear well, you got to heed what you've heard. Now, let, let's tie this comment from Jesus in with the illustration that he gives about a sower, seed, and four soils. See, the reason a sower plants seeds is to produce a harvest. And the only reason Jesus is proclaiming a message about his kingdom is to produce a harvest. Jesus wasn't going around speaking to everybody so that they would all have a warm fuzzy. He wasn't speaking the way he was so that everybody would say, we really like this guy. Let's just all grab our friends and let's go listen to him. Like a sower, sowing seed, he was sowing seed so that he could produce a spiritual harvest. Which means those hearing the message must heed the message by internalizing the truth. Those who hear the message that Jesus was communicating must heed the message by internalizing the truth. Why? So that the seed that is planted in them will produce long-lasting fruit for the kingdom of God. Friends, anything less than that, anything less than that of Hearing the word, it going down deep, it being internalized and producing fruit, anything less than that fails to fulfill the purpose in which Jesus was seeking to fulfill. That was the point of Jesus' ministry. And that's what he wanted the crowds to understand. He wasn't amazed. He didn't get a head count. Oh, I'm up to 6,000 people following me now. Wasn't like Facebook or Instagram. He wasn't seeing how many followers he had. He sees this large crowd come and he reminds them through this parable what's the point? Why am I saying all that I'm saying? Most importantly, why are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But not only was Jesus trying to make that point to the crowd, he's making that point to us today. 
Now that brings us to verses 9 and 10, where all of a sudden we come to an explanation of the use of the parables. Jesus shares this parable. He gives the point of this parable. And then we're told this in verse 9 and 10. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. See, according to Luke, this parable of the seed and the soil was shared with the crowd. So what we just read in verses 4 through 8, that was shared with the crowd. Now the crowd is gone. If you read the same story in Mark chapter 4, it says when Jesus was alone, his disciples asked him. So what's recorded in verses 9 through 15 we're about to listen to, it's the summary of the dialogue that took place between Jesus and his disciples about this particular parable. So switch in your brains now. We've moved from a public proclamation to a private conversation. So Jesus gives this parable we just heard. And then at some point, we're not told when, immediately later on in the day, his disciples say, Jesus, can we, can we talk about that parable you gave today? We would like to know more. And did you notice how Jesus, before interpreting the details of this parable, he actually informs his disciples on the reason why he spoke in parables. They, they want to know, what did you mean by all? I mean, what did, what, what's with the, 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 the sower and the seed and the soils? But before he tells them, he says, guys, let me tell you why I actually did that today. Why did I actually speak in a parable? And if we pay careful attention to what Luke writes here in verses 9 through 10, according to Jesus, his parables are a riddle of revelation. That's what the word parable means. We think Jesus told parables because he was a great communicator and it was his way of illustrating a point so it could get across to everybody. That's not what he just said. His parables were like a riddle of revelation. It had two purposes. He spoke in parables that day so that those who were heeding the message, like his disciples, they could hear what no one else could hear. And at the same time, he spoke in a parable so that those who were not heeding his words not only missed out on revelation, their ears became more dull of hearing. And he quotes Isaiah 6, where Isaiah says, or God says to Isaiah, I'm going to call you to be a prophet to my people, but know that you're going to go and preach a message, and they're going to see and not see, and they're going to hear and not hear. So two things are to happen in Jesus's are two purposes behind Jesus sharing parables. See, when we heed what Jesus has said, we will understand his words. But when we fail to heed what he has said, we become more hard of hearing. That's the point Jesus just said. 
As the crowds came out that day, Jesus knew there are some here that legitimately are going to take what I say. They're going to take it to heart. It's going to transform their life. There's others. They just, they're interested. They're fascinated. They want a miracle. They've heard all about me. But it's going to be like seed that just falls on the ground and the birds are just going to sweep by. They're going to be like people who say, yeah, yeah, count us in. But then life's going to come and they're going, oh, that Jesus guy. And so Jesus says, listen, those who heed what I say will understand my words. But those who fail to heed will become hard of hearing. See, that was true of the disciples. They, they heeded what Jesus said. And therefore, Jesus says, you're getting what I'm saying. But think about the Pharisees who saw the miracles, heard the same teaching. And why did they not turn around and say, we want to follow you? They say, we want to crucify you. We want to kill you. We want to shut your mouth. Stop telling everybody you're the Messiah. That's blasphemy. Stop telling people you can forgive sins. Why? Because they didn't heed the words of Jesus. Now, friends, this, this sobering image that's being illustrated in this parable it was, actually being in, it was actually being acted out on that very day as Jesus gave that parable. And every time Jesus spoke in parable, that reality was at work. Some were hearing and understanding. Others were hearing and becoming harder of hearing. See, you're either hearing and receiving revelation, or you're becoming hard of hearing which calls you to reject what you've heard. And that wasn't just true then, it is true this morning. That, that landed on me with great weight this, this past week. That what was true then could be true today. That some are hearing this parable, and instead of hearing and receiving revelation, you are becoming harder of hearing, which will cause you to reject what you've heard. Let's be aware of this. There is no middle ground. Jesus didn't say there's a third way. This is the only way it works. That's what he clearly states. Just a few Verses later, we'll get to in two weeks from now. Look at verse 18. Jesus says this, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Friends, that those are sobering words, but they are the gracious words of Jesus that we should heed this morning. If we want to hear, we must heed these very words. So how do we do that? That brings us now to the interpretation of the parable, verses 11 through 15. Verse 11, now, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard 
then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they, have, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So now Jesus says, guys, I told you why I speak in parables. Let me tell you what I meant today when I said what I said to the crowd. As everybody was coming out, eager to hear what I was going to say, and I said what I did, and you were all standing there going, why did he say that? Now let me tell you what this parable means. See, the seed, according to this parable, it, it, the, the, the seed that's being sown, it represents the word of God, the message of the gospel. And some hear the message, and like the seed that fell on the path, they immediately dismiss what they hear because we're told the devil takes away the seed of the word before it can even grow. Friends, that's why some people hear the good news of salvation and reject it as bad news. It's not because maybe the word wasn't shared better. It's because the seed fell on the path and never went into the ground. Philip Ryken in his wonderful commentary he describes these people like this. They have a hard, indifferent heart towards God. And many in Jesus' day were like this. And many in our day will be like this. No matter how many times we share the gospel with them, it's not good news. I don't want to be told I'm a sinner. I don't want to be talked to about wrath. I'm a good person. I've lived a good life. And yeah, I may not be perfect, but I haven't done the, some of the same things that other people have done. So I don't want this message about me needing to be forgiven. And the only way for, for me to be forgiven is by putting my faith in someone who died a horrific death on my behalf. Some people are just going to reject that. And yet others, we're told, will receive the word. And they're going to respond to the message of salvation with joy. They're going to respond. They're going to hear that message. And, and they want to be forgiven of their sins. And, and they even confess Jesus as their Savior. However, they are the seed that fell on rocky soil. They have no roots. So according to Jesus, when their faith gets tested, and he's probably speaking of persecution, we're told that they fall away from Christ. Oh, they may be the people that hear the altar call and say, yes, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I said the prayer, I walked the aisle. And they're telling everybody on Facebook. 
But eventually the, the hardships of life hit them and they said, count me out. Philip Ryken labels these the spiritually shallow and superficial. They immediately respond, but, but there's no depth. There's no roots. They're, they're spiritually shallow and superficial. Others were told, they hear the word, they, they get roots, and they even bear fruit. But the fruit does not mature. Why? Because they are like the seed that fell among the thorns. They care too much about the cares of this world, about riches and earthly pleasures more than Christ. And what eventually happens to them is that the thorns of life choke out their faith in Christ. See, they stop loving Jesus not because they find him unappealing. They stop following Jesus because they find the world to be more pleasing than he is. Say, oh man, I love Jesus. And I, I, I understand I'm a sinner in need of a savior, but man, I want to love Jesus and love the world. And you can't do both. And eventually, they say, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep loving the world. And the fruit that they were one, at one point bearing shrivels up and dies. They're what Philip Ryken calls the preoccupied and the distracted. Preoccupied with the cares of this world, distracted with so many other things. So here's the question. How can we avoid being people who hear and respond to the message but never produce fruit that last. How do we heed these words from Jesus this morning and not just be people who hear and respond, but in the end, we don't produce fruit that lasts? Well, the answer comes in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. In this parable, the good soil represents a good heart that expresses genuine faith in Jesus. Now, by saying a good heart, Jesus is not saying they have a morally good heart, a spiritually good heart. Jesus is speaking of sincerity instead of duplicity. Like the Pharisees who showed up. And Jesus shows them time and time again, oh, the things you're talking about, you really don't care about. You can fool everybody else. You're not fooling me and you're not fooling yourself. There's duplicity to what you're about. That's why Jesus said what he did back in chapter 6, verses 43 and 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, 
produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. See, according to Jesus, when our hearts are honest and good and we hold fast to the word that we've heard, we bear fruit over time. See, when we have an honest and good heart and we hold fast to the word that we've heard, we will bear fruit over time. And and did you notice that word, patience? The fact that Luke inserts that word patience means there must be a steadfastness to our faith that keeps us from giving up when, when the fruit of our life seems sparse. Has there ever been a season where, where the fruit of your faith seems sparse? Sometimes that's a time for us to evaluate and sometimes it's a time for us to hold on. To not nasal gaze, but to look to Jesus and say, this is what I believe. This is what's true. See, we must not be those who forget another parable that Jesus is going to share when he says, our faith is like a mustard seed. The smallest of seeds that grows into something great. We must be like that. That's what our faith must be like. So how then do we do this? How then do we hear this teaching this morning and this parable and this explanation of the parable and and live it out in our own lives? Well, in light of what Jesus just said in verse 8 and what he says in verse 15, here's what I think we should do. We would be wise to heed the word of God by not neglecting our heart. If the good soil has to do with a good heart, and we were told back in verse 8, those who hear the word are those who heed what they've heard. If we put those together, we heed the word of God by not neglecting our hearts. Now, when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not talking about it in the same way we often mean in our culture, just talking about romantic feelings or love. See, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's describing the inner life, our motives, our intentions, our desires, our thoughts, our longings. We must be aware of our hearts if we're going to produce fruit. Author and teacher Paul Tripp has provided a wonderful illustration describing the way we ought to view our hearts in light of Scripture. A few weeks ago when, when Dr. Deachin preached on the passage I read a minute ago from from Luke chapter 6, he quoted, or he gave an illustration from Paul Tripp about fruit stapling. Well, Paul Tripp has another wonderful illustration that makes this point. He says, take a big, large sponge, the kind you would wash your car with, stick it in a bucket of water, hold it up, squeeze it, let the water come out, and ask everybody who's watching, why did water run out? You know what everybody's going to tell you? Because you squeezed the sponge. And he says, no. It's because there was water in the sponge. I could take a dry sponge, hold it up, squeeze it, and nothing's going to come out. The illustration is, that's true of our hearts. 
We do what we do according to Jesus, not because somebody squeezed our sponge. It's because something was in our hearts that that circumstance, that situation pressed us and brought it out. That's important for us to understand if we're going to view ourselves accurately. Listen, we do not sin because something outside of us caused us to sin. We sin because what is in us came out. And that's radically un-American. And against the therapeutic culture we live in, which this means our greatest problem is internal, not external. My greatest problem and your greatest problem is internal, not external. And this should have a bearing on the way we approach then God's word. Think about the context in which Jesus is sharing this. See, when we hear the word of God proclaimed, which is, by the way, the message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, when we hear that message proclaimed, we must not ignore what the word of God reveals to us about our hearts. And why is that? Because, friends, there is no need for grace if we are not lawbreakers. There is no need for salvation if we aren't desperately, wickedly lost. If my problem and your problem is that we just need to to get some new principle to apply, to live differently, to live better, then we're going to come listening for, okay, what two truths can I take away from today? But if the word of God is meant to expose our hearts so that we can see what sinners we are and what a Savior Christ is, that's the purpose. That's the point of Sunday mornings. I love what Philip Ryken says about how we ought to approach preaching in light of this. He says, usually when people listen to a sermon, they make some kind of evaluation. I thought it was a really good sermon, they may say. Or perhaps they may say it wasn't a good sermon at all. Either way, the sermon is what they assess. But according to the parable of the soils, it's really God's word that evaluates us because the way we respond shows what's in our hearts. And then he says this, good hearing is just as important as good preaching. Do you believe that? I know you do because as a congregation, you are a people that value not just good preaching, but being hearers of the word. So ask yourself this question as you leave today. Are you a good listener to the word of God? I don't mean do you take notes. If somebody was to stop you at the door and say, what were the three points? You could rattle them off. No, are you a good listener of the word of God? Do you heed the word that you hear by paying attention to what it reveals to you about your heart? See, it's only when we listen to what God says to us about us that we marvel at Jesus Christ. 
We will marvel that he died for us in order to save us from our sins and to sanctify us by conforming us into his image when we are aware of our desperate need. Then we will marvel. So friends, let us not recoil at conviction. When conviction takes place on Sunday mornings, let's see it as a welcome friend. Let's see it as a precious gift from God. Now one last thing as I close, just one piece of application for us as a church family. I think this parable, and we'll talk more about this in the days ahead, this parable, I think it defines our mission as a church. What do I mean by that? Here's what I really was just struck by this week as I thought about what Jesus was doing and what he shared in this parable. It hit me, we must not evaluate whether or not a church is growing simply by its size, but by the maturity of faith among its members. Think about when Jesus shared this parable. It says tons of people are coming from town after town. It was in the context of of having a big crowd. Jesus said, I got something to tell you. It doesn't matter how many people show up here. If you don't bear fruit, what's the point? See, you could be a church of 5,000, but if it's a church of 5,000 with the first three soils, not a healthy church. You'd be a church of 50, where every member is seeking to be the fourth soil. And that's a healthy, strong, growing, mature church. See, Jesus spoke these words to the crowd, this large crowd, so that we would know how we ought to view church growth. Bigger, more people coming. Of course we want people to come because they're hearing the gospel, because we've interacted with our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers, and they're coming, and we've shared the gospel with them, and they get saved, and they're brought into the family. Of course we want to see that. But we must not be fooled to thinking, a lot of people means that church is growing. We must be a people who say, here's what we want to do. We want to be a people who continue to deal with our hearts, who internalize what we heard, who heed what we have heard, and seek to apply it to our lives. Now, we're going to spend more time considering this parable from Jesus and how it informs our mission when we come to the next passage, verses 16 through 21. We're going to do that two weeks from now, because as you heard in our announcement next week, Jacob Lee will be preaching here And so I'm so looking forward to that. But for now, we're left with this question of how well are we hearing the word of God? And the only way we're hearing the word of God in a way that's gonna bear fruit is by heeding what we've heard. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to do that. Help us to heed what we've just heard I, I, I ask of you that no one would hear these words today and not heed them. That no one would hear these words today and become hard of hearing. 
I pray all of us would hear these words from the Savior so that we will take what we've heard, internalize it, and be transformed by it and bear fruit for your kingdom. Help us to do that now, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.